Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great
Let's just give him an offering this morning. It's who I am. It's who I am. 
It's who I am. God, I just want to come before you before we go any further. That we just give up all of our anxiety, all our problems, and just cast them to you. That we stop trying to fight our own battles. Sing this with me. Walking around these walls
Let's just worship him right now. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains. Oh, what a foretaste 
Sing it out. And this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above. His goodness, lost in His love, and this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. 
this, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. This is my story, that I was dead because of my transgressions and sins. But God loved me so much that he allowed his one and only son to take my place and to die that sinner's death on a cross so that through him I could have life. That is my story. What is your story? For those of us that have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is the greatest story that could ever be told. Maybe today you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, but that can also be your story today if you will open up your heart and trust Him in your life as well. Let's go to Him in prayer today. God, we are so thankful today for the story of life that we have through You. The story that while we were dead because of our sins and our failures in our life, that you desired a relationship with us. You wanted that relationship to be restored. And so you allowed your one and only son to die in our place, to take our place on that cross so that through his death that we could have life. God, I thank you for that story. I thank you that for each person here that has placed their faith and trust in you, that in you there is life, in you there is hope, in you there is everything that we need. And God, we are so thankful for that today. God, we thank you for your presence that's here with us this morning. We thank you for your desire to meet with us today, your desire to encourage us today through your word. God, I pray right now you would just open up our eyes, open up our ears to hear what you have for us. And God, may our hearts be ready to receive. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning, church. How's everyone this morning? Hopefully your favorite team won their game yesterday. <clears throat> Mine did. <clears throat> Barely, but we did it. So uh, it's always good to be in God's house. And as David said, First uh, Peter, we've been going through this little letter. We started it seven weeks ago, and it's ten weeks total. we got two more after this. Um, First Peter, and I've enjoyed walking through that, the theme of this letter is living as outsiders in a strange land. And we just need to be reminded as followers of Christ, before we get into this, that we are outsiders. If you placed your faith in Jesus, 
You no longer belong to uh, the, the enemy, the devil, but we belong to God's family. And as God's people, we march to the beat of a different drum, right? And we know that this world's not our home. We're simply just passing through. One day when this world is over and we're in the presence of God, that is our eternal kingdom. And so we are citizens of the United States of America, but we're also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so we are outsiders. And boy, does it feel like that sometimes. In this culture that we live in, we feel like outsiders, And so Peter's whole theme in this letter has been living as outsiders in a strange land. And so the title of the message today is Battle Ready. Battle Ready. I want to tell you a funny story. I texted my sister yesterday to ask for permission to tell this story on her. But um, I have two sisters, one that's 11 months older than me, and the other one's 13 years younger than me. The, the older one is a lot like my mom. She's very docile. She, she's not a, um, an aggressive type of a person. If you pick on her, she's just going to kind of, you know, duck her head. She just doesn't fight back, really, and she's just a soft-spoken, easygoing uh, kind of a girl. Well, back in high school, when we were attending high school together, we are in the same grade, actually, and we go to school one day, and there's this bully there, this girl bully that most of the guys were actually kind of scared of, low-key. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. She was mean. And she was picking on my sister. And my sister not being the, 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 you know, the kind of the, the, the athletic or the real pushy type, she just kind of was taking it, and it was breaking her heart. And she comes home, and she tells mom and dad, hey, I'm getting bullied at school. And, of course, my mom, being a lot like Candy and the spiritual one in the bunch, she says, well, honey, you just need to pray for her. And my dad says, you need to punch her in the nose. <laughs> and I kind of agreed with my dad as a high school student. I got tired of hearing the stories. And so what I said is like, all right, we got to do some work on Candy because she is not going to be able to tolerate this. They're going to keep on and keep it on and keep it on. And I know that if you want them to stop, you got to make them stop, right? And so that's just my thinking in the process. So I go to work, and I start pumping up my sister. And I'm like, Candy, dude. You don't realize how strong you are. You know, when we wrestle around and you punch me, man, that hurts really bad. You got a nice punch. And if you hit her just right, it's going to hurt. And I think you'll get her attention. Oh, and you remember that time you were, you were mad at dad and he was picking on you and picking on you and you finally just slugged him and you tried to hit him in the shoulder, but he kind of dipped and you missed and you hit him right in the face and it made him so mad. Dude, that was awesome. I've wanted to do that my whole life, but I'm too scared to try it. But you did it and you hit him hard, Candy. I think that you can do this. And here's what you need to do. You just need to go to school. Now, now don't start it because if you start the fight, you're going to get in trouble. You can't start it. But if she starts pushing you around or mouthing off again, I want you just to, to be ready. And know you can do this. You're going to you know, face a battle. You need to be able to stand up and be able to take care of business, right? So the next morning, I see a, a, a countenance on my sister that I've never seen before in my life. I saw confidence. In fact, she's walking to school. was like, I'm going to get, I'm gonna get me some today, right? And I hear the... Rocky Balboa music in the background. She goes to school, and, and, and you know, remember, don't start it because you're going to get in trouble. She goes in, and she puts her books in the locker, and she closes the locker, and the bully is about four or five lockers down. And she turns to the bully and says, which I've never heard her do this, she goes, you got something smart to say today? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I know they got together. It got broken up quickly, and I was thinking, she's going to die. I'm the principal's going to just, you know, hurt her. Anyway, so I went to the principal and said, hey, look, that's my fault. You know, my sister is being bullied, and, and we're trying to teach her how to stand up for herself, and I kind of encouraged her to, to stand up to the bully. So if she's going to get in trouble, man, that's on me. Let, me. let me get in trouble on her behalf. So I share that story with you because it's funny. Number one, it's my sister, but um, number two is it tells us a good principle, and that is that we need to be battle ready. As she had to prepare in her mind in advance to meet a bully, we as strangers in a foreign land are also engaged in a battle. 
You need to know this this morning. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you're not on uh, the, the, the team, the side of the team of the bully. The bully wants to take you out or he wants to render you ineffective for the cause of Christ. Do you believe that? And so we're engaged in a battle, and we need to, as followers of Christ, I believe even more so today than ever before, to be battle ready. And I just want you to know the mind is a powerful thing. It's a powerful place. And so just as you could talk someone who's never shown any aggression in her life into standing up for herself, and the only thing that changed was the thinking up here. And it was a totally different sister the next day. The same thing is true with each one of us. The mind is a powerful I just got to do it. The mind is a powerful thing, and what you feed it can affect you in a powerful way. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, but it's not always safe. Just hang with me. This will only take a moment, okay? Just think about it for a second. If you look at your face every day when you get up and think you'll never be great, you'll never be great. Not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. For those of you that didn't know that, that's NF, and he's one of my rappers I like to listen to. If you don't like rap, sorry, he's got some really good stuff. But the first time I heard that song, I had to stop mowing. I'm like, dude, that's so deep. So let me slow it down for the rest of you people. He says, the point I'm making is the mind is a powerful place. And what you feed it can affect you in a powerful way. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, but it's not always safe. And he says, think about it for a second. If you look at your face every day when you get up and say you'll never be great, you'll never be great. And it's not because you're not, but it's the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. That's deep, isn't it? The mind is a powerful place. In fact, there was a psychiatrist, a British psychiatrist, that wanted to test that theory of, of the connection in the mind with the body, the power and the strength of the body. And so he asked like three different people if they would agree to a test, and he gets these three people together, and he gets out this device that I'm not going to say because I messed it up in the first service because my vocabulary is not deep enough to know the name of this little testing device that he, that he put in there. Um, so he subjected them to this test, and he wanted to check their strength, how much grip strength they have. And so the average grip strength of all three of these individuals was 101 pounds, Okay. So then he hypnotizes these three people, and he says, okay, you're very weak. And he subjects them to the test again. They take the test, and this time the grip strength is 39 pounds average. So he says, all right, we're going to do it another way. And so while they're still hypnotized, he said, you are very, very strong. And he subjected them to this test one more time, and this time their average grip strength was 141 pounds, up 40 pounds from the very beginning so the point is, the mind is a powerful place. Why do I bring that up? Because if we're going to be battle ready as outsiders living in a foreign land, we need to understand the power of the mind that you and I are carrying on top of our shoulders as followers of Christ. Amen? Do you realize that the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me? And I think sometimes we are defeated before we even put our feet on the floor when we get out of bed in the morning because we don't really know who we are in Christ. And so hopefully we understand the importance of being battle ready as we go out of our churches or wake up in the morning and go out into the world and just engage in a world knowing that there's a spiritual battle that takes place every day. Could you imagine if a soldier went out on the battlefield unarmed? And, and worse than that, could you imagine a whole bunch of soldiers going out onto the field unarmed and unaware that there was a battle going on? Oh, it'd be a massacre, wouldn't it? I think the same thing is true for us as followers of Christ. We're engaged in a spiritual battle, and many times we're not even considering how important it is for us to get our mind in the game. Did you watch the game yesterday? It's a great illustration of what I'm talking about because I saw my quarterback go down two touchdowns in the first, like, 15, 16 seconds of the game, and he had this oh-no look on his face. And he just had this face that said, we're going to lose. You can just see it in his countenance, and I'm like, this dude's got to get his head in the game or we're going to lose the game. 
And eventually he gets pulled and they bring a freshman in that looks like he's like, let's go, we got this. And he just had this confidence. And it, and it all comes back to up here. I think sometimes we're defeated because we don't understand the power of the mind. The mind is a very powerful thing, right? So we need to be battle ready if we're followers of Christ, knowing that we're outsiders in a strange land. And Peter hits on this because he's talking to a second generation uh, group of Christians who are being persecuted. They're experiencing suffering, and he's trying to encourage them about the living hope that they have in heaven. That needs to be their focus. That needs to be the motivator to live right. That needs to be their motivator to, to be joyful, not because of the circumstances, but because of this hope that's in heaven waiting for them. And then he turns to the suffering part of this book, and it finishes this way. He's like, hey, let's just deal with the elephant in the room. You're experiencing suffering and I just want you to know, when you're experiencing suffering, I still want you to live a life worthy of the calling. Always be ready to give a defense for the hope that's in you when somebody asks you, but do it uh, with, with patience, with you know, gentleness, and with respect. And so he goes into this chapter 4 by reminding them of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Now, Jesus was sacrificed. He suffered on a cross, and he died for the sins of the world. And I'm so grateful that he did, right? So he, he's reminding them as Jesus died on the cross, as he suffered, look at verse 1. He says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain and even death, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. So let me share with you five things that I think this passage shows us, if we're going to be battle ready, that we need to know. Number one is we need to get our mind ready. Knowing that the mind is a powerful thing, a powerful place, and what you feed it can affect you in a powerful way. We need to get our minds in the game. And so Peter says to them, church, the, the, the ones that are being persecuted, the ones that are experiencing suffering, he says, you need to arm yourself. That's a military term. That's saying to soldiers, put all your weapon gear on. Ephesians 6 says, you know, put on the whole armor of God. Get ready for battle. Because <clears throat> you're not going to be able to engage the enemy if you don't have your weapons and all your gear with you. So arm yourself. But what does it say? That they are to arm themselves with what? The same attitude that he had, that Jesus had. The word attitude there in the Greek is enua. And it just simply means the thoughts, the knowledge, or the insight. It's the way of thinking. He's going to the head. He's saying, this is important. You need to get your mind right first. It's a, a complex mental state involving our beliefs, our values, and our dispositions that cause us to act certain ways. And so we act on what we believe and what we're convicted about, right? So he says, you need to arm yourselves with the same attitude, the beliefs, the same way of thinking that Jesus had. Now, what was Jesus' way of thinking? Well, in the context of suffering, Jesus was patient in his suffering. I'm sure it wasn't enjoyable. I'm sure, in fact, I know that it says the, in the garden, he says, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. This suffering is going to be difficult. But then he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But Jesus was patient in the suffering because he knew what it would accomplish. He knew what his suffering would accomplish. It would be the redemption of humanity, Right? He knew that if he died on the cross, that would be the bridge that would be connected between a holy God and a sinful people. And he says, it's worth it. I'm willing to go forward because I know what it's going to accomplish. So he was patient in that suffering because a laser, he had a laser beam focus on what it would accomplish. Also, he knew that he would be back at home with the Father. And so he says for these Christians, and I believe for us as well, he says, you need to have the same kind of attitude that Christ had in his suffering. You need to get your mind, your head in the game. And just like him, you need to be laser focused on a couple of things. He said, look, 
have the same attitude as Christ, and that is when we face, and hopefully we never face it in the United States of America, we see it in other countries, but for these second generation Christians, they were experiencing it firsthand, and he says, hey, have the same attitude as Christ, that he was suffering, and you too should be able to suffer patiently because we know two things. We know, number one, once the suffering is finished, worst case scenario, we die. That's actually a paradox because for the Christian, it's not the worst case scenario, right? We know that we will be at home with the Lord. Do you just sit back and think about that sometimes? We've been hearing about it. I've been hearing about it for years in church. You know, the gospel was preached to me. I responded to it, and I had this hope that one day I'm going to be in heaven. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think there's going to be some gold on the street. Some fool's going to bring gold to heaven, and, and St. Peter's going to say, that's asphalt up here, right? I mean, I just, I don't know what it's going to be like. I just know it's going to be awesome. But I know this living hope that we have that is kept in heaven, out of the reach of change and decay, it is kept for us until the day that one day it's revealed to each one of us. I look forward to the day, one day, when we're through with this life and we're in the presence of God Almighty. And that should be our focus, especially in the midst of suffering, that you know what? I know that it gets better than this. The worst thing that you could do to me is kill me, right? That's what we think, right? The worst thing that could happen is they could kill me. But for the follower of Christ, the best thing that that could happen for me is that they kill me. Why? Because I'll be at home with the Lord, number one. Number two, I will finally be free from the sin that has plagued me my whole life. I'm finished with sin. Amen? And if you've ever wrestled with that and you're so sick of it, you're like, I keep doing the same things over and over again. I'm so sick of sin. I got good news. Once we're out of this flesh, we're done with it once and for all. And so Peter's telling them, you need to have your mind ready and arm yourselves with the same attitude that Christ had, that is, he was patiently suffering because he knew that the end was going to be so much greater than that temporary pain. And I'm just going to tell you, church, one day when we're there, we'll look back and say, everything I experienced on that earth was nothing compared to the glory that I got to share with my Father in heaven. Woo, that's good stuff, church. Where are you at? All right? So... We need to ready our minds if we're going to have ourselves battle ready. Secondly, look at verse 2. We need to be ready for God's will. Look at what he says. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. He says, you won't spend the rest of your lives, your physical lives, if you have suffered with Christ and you get the same attitude as he did, then you're not going to want to continue in the old lifestyle. You're done with that. You're like, I want to live the rest of my life for the will of God. Now, before we start getting mysterious about what is the will of God, I remember when I was younger, I want to know God's will for my life, and we're digging and we're trying to learn it and discover it. Can I just make it real simple for you? This morning, God's will is very clearly laid out for each one of us as followers of Christ in his word. And let, let me give you a few examples. In Corinthians, Paul said, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. See, the world wants to put you in a pattern and make you just march to its beat, if you will, of their drum. But Paul says, don't be conformed any longer to that pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your, here it is, right? By, the, by changing your thinking, don't conform any longer, but be renewed, uh, transformed by the power of your mind so that you can discern the will of God. So it starts with our thinking. We have to be transformed so that we can start looking for, God, what is it you want from me? Are you with me so far? So to know God's will, renewing the mind so that we can discern what is the will of God. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful for this is the will of God for you in your life. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you thankful? 
Because if you're thankful, you're like, man, God, I'm so thankful. We get so negative sometimes, don't we? We look at what's going on around us and we forget about what we should be thankful for. The scriptures tell us that being thankful is the will of God for us in our lives. And so when we're being thankful, even in the midst of suffering, it shows that we trust him and that is in God's will. It's what he wants from us. Here's another one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says, and we, we read this a few weeks ago, this is the will of God that by doing good you may silence the ignorance of foolish people. So doing good works, not to earn salvation, but because we have salvation, doing good works is God's will for our lives. He wants us to live lives of righteousness, going around doing good. Jesus went about doing good deeds, and we should as well. That's God's will, right? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. So growing in your faith is the will of God. You know, we all start at the starting line when we place our faith in Christ. And God's will is for us to grow in our salvation, to grow in that faith, to mature in the faith. Amen? And so it's the will of God. And so what the point I'm making is to have a battle-ready mind is to have the same attitude that Jesus had regarding suffering, but it's also to be ready to do the will of God. i got to be honest. I don't feel like as Christians sometimes we wake up ready to do the will of God. Usually we wake up ready to do our will, Right? I got things to do, I got an agenda, and I'm all about me, myself, and I, and I want to take care of me. And, and someone that is just battle-ready, someone who is focused on having the same attitude as Christ is going to wake up and say, God, I know how I'm wired, and I'm in bed right now. When I get my feet on the floor, it's going to be what a shame want to take care of, what a shame want to do today. But I just want you to know, I want to do your will today. And so when I get on I-27 and drive to Emerald and some crazy person cuts me off, help me to respond in a way that would honor you. I want to do your will. God, help me to have a grateful attitude today. I've got bills that are piling up or whatever it is that's going on in your life. But I want to I do your will today. I want to be anxious to do your will. This is, the New Living Translation uses the word anxious. I don't like that word. But I just think it means like passionate, like focused on doing the will of God rather than our own will. No longer chasing our own desires the way we lived back in the past, but be willing or anxious or I just focused on doing the will of God. So a battle-ready person is someone who is ready to do God's will. Are you ready to do God's will this morning? Do you want to do God's will this morning? Thirdly, look at verse 4. And this is a big one. I think it's important for especially our younger generation. I've walked through it. I know many people who have. We need to be ready for opposition. Have you ever faced opposition because of your faith? I mentioned it last week. I don't think we've ever experienced it in the United States to the degree that some other countries or the first, second century Christians did. But certainly we've all, I guess, experienced a little opposition, a little pushback. For me, it was kind of like this. You know, I was in the midst of my friends, doing things when my friends did it. And, and then whenever I got the conviction that I shouldn't be doing those things any longer, and I stopped doing the same things I used to do, but with the same friends, they all of a sudden started copping an attitude with me. And they would say things like this. Oh, you think you're better than us now. You heard that? That's opposition. And you see people that don't want to go the same way you want to go, and you're convicted to follow the will of God, but they're dogging you out for it. You need to be ready for some opposition in your life. In fact, some of you young people need to be willing to lose some friends. It doesn't mean that you don't love them or you don't want God to save them, but if they're walking a different path, a path of destruction, Proverbs gives us plenty of warning and counsel on that, that you need to be willing to lose a few friends when you're walking this path of righteousness. Don't shout me down when I'm screaming, when I'm preaching, right? It's just true. We need to be ready for the opposition. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Of course, your former friends are surprised 
when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. They're surprised when you don't want to do the things that you used to do, and so they turn on you. There's opposition there because of your faith. It's not because you did anything wrong. It's because you're doing things right. You're saying, I want to live according to God's will, and as I'm living according to God's will, it's going to be offensive to maybe even some of my closest friends, and if you're going to be battle-ready, an outsider living in a strange land, you need to be ready for this opposition and ready to be able to say, you know, it hurts because they were good friends, but this is where we part ways and we go different directions. Amen? Ready to do God's will, ready to have the same attitude as Christ did, ready for the opposition. And look at verse 7, one verse there. It says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. We need to be ready for the end of all things. That's another thing we've heard our whole lives in church. If you've been around church at all, you know that one day Jesus is going to return and the end will be there, right? You read Revelation. We're at the end of the book and we know that we win. Woo, we win. And so we, as followers of Christ, if we're battle ready, we need to be ready for the end of all things. Well, how do we do that? I think the most important thing, you hear me say it all the time, is to have faith in Christ. What's the most important thing we can do in this life while we have breath in our lungs, in this flesh, is to place our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's to be ready for the end. And then as it relates to the living, the way we live, we need to be ready and looking to the end when Jesus is going to return. And I hear it more and more from many different preachers. Like, I believe, I just sense that we're getting closer and closer and closer. Not because literally we're down the road and on the calendar, but just with the things going on around us. I believe the end is very near. Amen? And if we're battle ready, it's like we're going to be prepared for that. So what does he say? The end of all things is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. All right, another version will say this, for the sake of your prayers. I like that better. So be earnest and disciplined for the sake of your prayers. And so we're to be praying as we're looking to the end of all things to come. But he says, be earnest. The word earnest means be reasonable, be sensible, be clear-minded. There are times when you see somebody walking through life and you just want to shake them and say, dude, you need to, you need to be clear-minded. You need to, you know... Start thinking. Use that thing that God gave you upstairs and, and be clear-minded. To be earnest, he says, in our living and to be disciplined. Discipline is simply self-control. Earlier on in this chapter, in this book, I guess, First uh, Peter chapter 1, he says, <clears throat> to, to prepare your minds for action and be self-control. Here again, he brings it up. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined, and I would say, for the sake of your prayers. A battle-ready Christian is someone who lives life. doesn't mean that we just pack our bags and, you know, we're just waiting for Jesus to come. But it's kind of like we're, we're doing our things. We're busy about life, but we got one eye on the sky, right? Because we know that he could come at any moment. And that being the case, I want to make sure I'm ready. And I want to make sure everybody else is ready. And I'm going to live my life in a way that wouldn't embarrass myself should he pop around the corner tomorrow, right? <laughs> Ooh, hi, God. I didn't, you know... No, I mean, to live my life in a way that would be honorable to him, to do his will, even though there may be some opposition as a result of it, but ready for the end of all things because Christ is coming, and how will he find the church? Hopefully he'll find us doing his will. Lastly, I would say this, and this is an important one too because this is where we're at today. Ready. Well, let's just recap. Having a ready mind, ready to do God's will, ready for the opposition, ready for the end of all things, and ready to serve in the meantime. 
while we wait for the end of all things, we all have a role to play, if you will. We are all the body of Christ, and God has given us many different capabilities, abilities, spiritual gifts. Not everybody's the same, and that's beautiful. There's diversity within the body, but there's unity as well, and there's a purpose in that. And what Peter says, all right, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers, most important of all. So I think this is very important to Peter. In the midst of their suffering, he said, hey, this is very important. Most important of all, show deep love for each other. Why? They're getting punished. They're suffering, and they need to, to experience some deep love with one another. I could not imagine going through difficult situations in life without the fellowship of the believers in the church. Amen? There's just something about having a brother or a sister that says, hey, I'm praying for you, or they pick the phone up and they call you and they show you that agape love. He says, continue to show deep love for each other. Continue in the midst of suffering because you're going to be tempted to stop from loving others and maybe turning on others because you're experiencing some pain and suffering and you want to focus just on you. He says, hey, continue to show love, deep love to one another. He says in verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those in need um, who need a meal or a place to stay. He's saying, hey, continue to show hospitality. And back in their day, they didn't have motels like we do, and so the homes were very often used as a place for people who were traveling, and they would just be hospitable, give them a meal, give them a place to stay and rest for the night. And he says, hey, in the, in the, in the midst, while we're waiting for the, event, the end of all things, continue to show deep love for each other, continue to show hospitality. You know, be, be willing to be there for people if they need a meal or a place to stay. In verse 10, he says, God has given each of you, say each of you, I think it's important because sometimes we feel like, well, God's given that guy a gift or that girl. It's obvious she's got that gift or whatever. And we tend to look at ourselves and say, I, what's my gift? What can I do? But he says he's given a gift to all of us as the body of Christ. He doesn't leave anyone out. And he says, God has given each of you. So all of us are included. He says, each of you a gift from his great variety. I love the variety of spiritual gifts. And then he says this, use them. Right? Hey, God has gifted you. He's given you gifts from his variety, his various, just a ton of gifts. And he said, he's given each one of us gifts. Use them. I think where we stumble sometimes, I read a book uh, a few years back called No Easy Jesus by Kyle Adelman. And he was talking about how this, this, this faith is not just a, you know, a check mark, but he calls us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. And in that book, he's talking about a point where he said, you know, I remember praying, you know, he saw a car wreck on the side of the road and there's people that were grieving and he's driving by and he said, you know, he thought it was maybe the mother of the one that had died in the car wreck and he just prays driving down the road, God, would you just comfort that mom? And he said, God clearly told me, no, you go do it. God says, I gave you that ability. You're my hands, you're my feet. Use them, use the gifts that I've given to you. You go show love, show compassion. I think sometimes our prayers are, are like that, and it's like, God, would you please just show them some love in their time of need? And I can see God going, you do it. You're in my hands and my feet. Get with it, right? God, would you comfort them? They just lost a loved one there, and he's like, pick up the phone and do it. I gave you the ability. That's your job. You're my hands and you're my feet. I'm not saying that God can't supernaturally give somebody comfort and peace, but how many of you know that he uses the body of Christ to do many of those things? Amen. So what Peter's simply saying is God has given you these gifts, and in the meantime, while you're waiting for the end of all things, be ready to use, be ready to serve other people in the meantime. And here's the thing, here's the beautiful thing. 
Not so that we can stand up and say, look at me, look at what I've accomplished, look at what I've done. But look at the last of this verse. It says, then everything. Well, let me go back. Verse 11, he gives an example of these gifts. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? If God's given you the gift of speaking, he says, then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Wow. I listen to that, I read that, and I'm like, I'm a pastor, and I have the the gift of speaking, and hopefully of communicating, and he's like, okay, Shane, do it as though he's speaking, himself is speaking through you. That's scary, right? Talking about the uber confidence that would come if we truly knew that the the same power that raised Christ from the dead lived in us, and he says, hey, I've given you that gift, now go out, be my representative to your people. It's powerful. He says, do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So basically saying, hey, in the meantime, be willing to serve other people as we wait. And then he says, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's to him and him alone. All the glory belongs to you. Amen? And so being battle ready, I think that we need to prepare our mind for action. We need to get into the game, so to speak, as followers of Christ, knowing that we're engaged in a battle. And if you don't realize that truth, that we're involved in a, in, in a spiritual battle, it's not flesh and blood. It looks like that sometimes, but there's an evil force behind that. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're on the battlefield. Please hear that. And it would be foolish of us to just go through life unarmed and willing to do spiritual battle, which greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We've already been told who wins, amen. We're on the winning side, the winning team. It'd be foolish of us to walk around unarmed in this spiritual battle, and it would be really foolish of us to not realize that we're in a battle in the first place. But we are. And I got good news for you. We're on the winning team. And one day, when this is all said and done and we're before God, I I just um, I look forward to that more and more each day, to stand in his presence and hopefully hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Even though you encountered some suffering, and the temptation in suffering is to say, you know what, it's too much, can't handle it, I gotta, I gotta just back off the throttle. He says, hey, we need to get battle ready, we need to have our minds engaged, to be sober-minded and engaged and have a ready mind, ready to have the same attitude that Christ had. And I think that if we focus on the fact that one day we'll be at home with the Lord and we focus on the fact that the worst thing that could happen in this life, physically speaking, is death, but yet it's that paradox. It's the best thing that could happen for us in this life is to go home and be with the Lord because we're free from the presence of sin and we're in the power of our Savior or the presence of our Savior. That's amazing to me. And if we simply had that attitude, I think it would help us to endure a lot of the things that we encounter even in suffering to have that mind, to be ready to do his will. God, it's not about me anymore. I've spent my whole life doing it my way, and I've got the wreck and the mess and the testimony to tell you how that went. So God, I want to do things your way. I really do. I want to do your will, and I want to be prepared knowing that when I do that, it's not going to be, it's not going to be palatable to everyone. Not everybody's going to like that, and so I probably will face a little bit of opposition from time to time, even from some people that might even call themselves followers of Christ but I'm ready to meet that opposition because I want to follow him and do his will, ready for the end of all things and ready to be used by him in the meantime. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but our world is kind of a mess, and it could sure use the influence of the church, the body of Christ in the midst of that darkness, couldn't it? So what has God equipped you to do? 
What has God given you in line of spiritual gifts that you can use in the body to encourage someone else and to build them up in this time? I pray that you prepare your mind for action. I pray that you are battle ready and that you realize, hey, we're in a battle and I need to take this seriously because if I'm not paying attention, I have an enemy that is a very formidable foe and he will take my feet out from under me. He will try to render me ineffective as quickly as he can. He would like to destroy my life. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy is what scripture says. And we're in a battle, and so we should be battle ready, right? So Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The mind is a powerful, powerful place. Where's your head at, Christian? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you belong to him? Are you looking forward to that hope that he has set aside for you beyond the reach of change and decay? Are you looking to that? Does it motivate you to be happy in an unhappy world? Does it motivate you to be joyful or thankful in the midst of just crazy that we live in? Because that's what it does for me. As I, and the crazier it gets, the more and more I lean into that. And the more and more I go, that's one thing that won't change. One day I'll see it and I'll, I'll take hold of it and I'm looking forward to that day. And in the process of time, we need to, I need to be battle-ready. Christian, are you battle-ready? Are you experiencing some hardships in life? Or maybe you're going through life and it just keeps, you keep getting blindsided. Hey, get your head in the game. This is real. And you have an enemy that wants to destroy you, wants to wreck your life. And so get your head in the game. Be ready. Have the same attitude as Christ. Be willing to do the will of God. How many times we look at God's word and we say, I know God's word says this, but has anybody else ever done that? You're in the middle of a situation and somebody says, you know what God's word says? Uh, yeah, I know, but that, my situation's different. Really? God's word is a powerful word. I think this is the best manual that you and I could ever pick up in our life because God is faithful. He's true. He's not going to lie to us. There's power right here in this book. It'll make you crazy. Crazy for Christ. Amen? Battle ready. Father, I thank you for... Lord, that reminder in Scripture today, and I pray that you would just wake us up from our slumber, and not just this church, but in America, realizing that, uh, Lord, the days on this old earth are coming close to an end, and as we do that, we know that Satan is going to ramp up his attack. We know that he's not going to just sit back idly. He's not bothering other people. I think he attacks the church, and I think he looks heavily at those that say that they're your children, and uh, he brings in the attacks. And for many people, they get sucker punched. Lord, they're defeated before they even get started because they didn't know there was a battle and they didn't arm themselves. And I pray, God, that you would just give us that, that idea this morning and that reality in our lives that we recognize that we are in a battle and that we can step up and engage our minds. Lord, these beautiful things that you put on our shoulders and, and, and to prepare our mind for action. Lord, to use the same, to have the same thinking, the way of thinking that Jesus had, knowing that as though it gets very tough in this world, to know one day it'll all be worth it as we look back and say, oh, that was nothing compared to the glory that I'm now seeing and sharing with my Savior. Father, I pray that for those who have not placed their faith in you, that today would be the day that they would trust in you for salvation. God, and I pray that you would encourage, Lord, as Scripture says, as, uh, that we are to spur one another on to good works. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit through the Word today would spur us on to good works. Lord, that we would engage and use some of those gifts that you've given us from your variety of spiritual gifts to be your hands and your feet to the body of Christ. And especially as we see more and more suffering and maybe even some persecution, that we would be uh, your comfort 
your peace and your support uh, amongst our brothers and our sisters. Lord, we just thank you, and we just know that at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look how amazing we are, but Lord, it's for your glory. All the glory belong to you and you alone forever and always. Amen.